can gardeners, we're going to have conversations with you. You can have conversations with us. Well, it's Father's uh, Day, and we all want a party. And we want a party, a we fun do. party. Haven't had a party no in years. No more of those dull parties. Let's have some fun. That's right. No crabbing. Fun party. No crabs. <laughs> we used to have a house <laughs> on, the, on the East Coast that had belonged to a crab fisherman and had a big sign in the front yard that said, No crabs. It was known locally as the house of no crabs. It was perfect. Except I lived there. Well, there was that. <laughs> You could say you, you absolutely resist instruction. Oh, absolutely. Okay, this is a call-in show, 907-586-1800, and there's a call already. Good morning. Uh-oh. Are you gone? Okay. Nope, Try. I'm here. Oh, uh, hello. Um, so I was out in my yard yesterday looking at the peony, and they're getting the bulbs on them, but they're covered with little tiny black ants. That's what they do. Yep, every year, that's what they do. No big deal. Oh, okay. All right. They're Thank just you. out there. You know, they're out there like we're out here. <laughs> they have all that honey and dew on them, and the ants somehow peonies and ants go together. I, I, okay. We don't understand <laughs> it, but that's how it goes. <laughs> but all right. uh, Thank uh, do you. your peonies look good? Yeah. Good. Aren't it's, you glad? Yes. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> like them. Okay. Thanks a yeah. lot for the call. Thank you. Uh huh. Okay. And anybody else that's worried about that, I see this is, comments all the time. This is ant and aphid season. Boys and it's just, spit bugs. They go hand in hand. You know? Anybody that's got uh, snowbound spireas, I bet you got spit bugs. You know, driving back from the park shore yesterday, having done one of my three jobs that I did yesterday with a wonderful crew that I have, um, <clears throat> the bank above the harbor, right at the edge of town, that has the Dame's Rocket and the Goat's Beard Blooming. Uh-huh is absolutely beautiful. Isn't it, though? It is. You know, uh-huh. and goat's beard is kind of a pain if it's not in the right place, but on the other hand, when you look at it, it's so lovely. Really? You know, and it's in full bloom right now, and it's all over town. And um, it's one of the prettiest native plants, that and the Cornus canadensis in terms of flowering, and of course, all our blueberries. That's right. I look at uh, English nursery catalogs, and they have five named varieties of goat's beard. Oh, well, and it's all Aruncus sylvestre, the same plant that do they have a dwarf forms. that doesn't run? I'd love a dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about the Aruncus I'd love a dwarf. It, they have a, they have parties runs. like that. <laughs> anyway, anybody who's driving in and out of town, instead of going oh ho hum, that's just you know wild stuff on the bank. You know, take a real look because it is absolutely beautiful. It is, and there's th- that and Dame's Rocket smells so sweet. You never have any idea. You're driving along, or you're walking along, or even you're just standing there, and all of a sudden you realize it's really beautiful. Right? <laughs> you know, you're well, thinking about of something us, else. Some of us, it, it comes to <coughs> easier than others. Yeah, well, there's that. Okay, and Father's Day means our big Father's Day sale is kicking off. So the advertisement, which you see on the gardening centers in the Facebook and on Instagram and any place you might see it, even on our website, I hope, uh, we're offering a fantastic sale event for Father's Day. If you buy a rhododendron, you then get 10% off on any conifer we have. But coming along with your rhododendron comes a pack. You're going to get chicken manure, organic composted chicken manure. You're going to get special fertilizers with micronutrients for rhododendron. And you're going to get a packet of inoculating nematodes, nematodes that are special for killing the bug that attacks our rhododendrons. 
So this sale will go on today. We'll be open till 4 o'clock this afternoon. And tomorrow from noon to 3. We're closing early tomorrow because you know why? It's, it's Father's, Father's Day. Day. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Okay, so uh, call us up. You can call us in the nursery. You can send us an email to landscapealaska at gmail. Or you can call us up here right on the radio, 907-586-1800. So last fall, our Japanese maple guy said that he repotted all his Japanese maples, and he has thousands, and that they would not be available until mid-June. Maybe even 100,000. Maybe so. He's got about 100 acres of Japanese maples yeah. in the Willamette Valley. It is you know, if, if Japanese you, maple paradise. If people like to travel and they go places where there are nurseries, I don't mean garden centers, it's so great to go visit a nursery. You know, normally most of them don't mind if you walk around, and especially tree nurseries. The tree nurseries in the Willamette Valley are just absolutely luscious. Aren't they, though? Boy, and, and the amazing sequence from little tiny to up to saleable size. You look at them all, and they got fields of, of uh, maple trees that are knee high. Oh, they're so cute. You just look at them and say, what potential you've got? And then the ones that have flowers on them, the little flowering crab apples, man, oh man, they're so pretty. And in the pretty. fall when they ch start changing color, it's, it's lovely all the time. So anyway. Um, we should have a tour. We should go on tour. Uh, Get in we, one of those green buses and drive around. To go on tour, we have to leave town. Oh, yeah, there's I that. I have way too much work to leave town. Okay. So, uh, anyway, what I was going to say about the Japanese maples, all you people who have come to us talking about Japanese maples, now is the time to get serious about them. You know, order them. Call David up. Call and me up and talk So he about can them. see if he can get the one you want. Right, because there are so many kinds. And if you want to look at, the, at a website that has them, call me up and I'll direct you to it so you can see the named varieties of the kind you want. And also, what kinds do really well here. We can talk about that. Okay. And as long as we're doing that and we're bringing up those trees, we're also going to bring up some other kinds of trees and among them, if you go over by the old Empire Building and across the street is that park, there are some golden-leaved Norway maples that bright are, yellow that are so beautiful. They're Just bright knock yellow. your socks off. Yeah. We've got some on the university campus, and there's a few around town, but not many. But that particular... It's called Princeton? Was Princeton it? Gold. Princeton Gold. And the other kind of maple that's there with it is called <laughs> Deborah, and it's a really dark green. And the really dark green maple and the really bright yellow maple together are just killer. You're going to love it. And you're going to call me up and say, Dave, you're absolutely right. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. At David not. waits for somebody to tell him he's right. You know? <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> well, <laughs> he lives with me. I don't I get it off say, of that. Are you true. out of your mind? Mm -hmm. So also, I'm going to have some other stuff coming in that order. So if you want things that you don't see around town or you can't find anywhere, give me a call because I have uh, a, a load coming this way. And we'll continue to talk about this for another few days before we actually place the order. And this is not just for Juno. For you people out of town, we're sending stuff out of town every day. We're sending it to small communities around southeast Alaska. Mostly we send it on the seaplanes. Sometimes we send it in the post office, but most of it goes out on seaplanes. And it costs surprisingly little to get a couple of plants on the seaplanes, you know, like 15 bucks. 15 bucks for a box that has three or four plants in it. So that it's a great hit. You notice the... Uh, 
Lilacs are blooming downtown? Yes. Yeah. Lilacs are blooming everywhere. And the irises are here, and they're blooming. Yeah. And the primroses are blooming. The florindes are sending up their flower spikes, but the japonicas are the ones before that. And they're blooming now. Uh-huh. Rosy red. Japonicas are uh, well, rosy. They're pink. They're rosy red. A dark, it's a dark pink. Uh-huh. And there's a pale pink one, too. I don't. We haven't had it in a while. But remember how it's pale pink with a red edge on the petals? And I have the orange one. There's Ooh. an orange one. You do? Mm-hmm. Shall I sell it? I'm sure you will. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and uh, the nematodes we were talking about are for the black vine weevil, which is the pest that attacks the rhododendrons and makes the edges of the leaves look like lace. They look like they have uh, little holes punched from the outside edge in about oh, three quarters of an inch. If you see that happening, that means the adult is feeding on it during the nighttime, but it really means the juvenile form is down underground eating the roots. And we have these special nematodes that attack those. So you don't have to do any kind of chemical spraying. You can put this population of nematodes in and in just a couple seasons. No, that care chemical spray doesn't work. Doesn't work. Okay. It's horrible. And it doesn't work. We hate it. How's your rhubarb growing? It's getting big. It is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, give it a couple more years. It'll be now, the rhubarb you have out in the yard is probably two years old, eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we had a whole bunch that we planted this spring, and they are booming, absolutely booming. And so if you're looking for rhubarb for yourself or to give somebody as a gift, perhaps to your father, perhaps your father would like some rhubarb should come and get some rhubarb, and while you're doing so, get some raspberries. And we have a couple of horseradish plant plants. Maybe your dad would like some of those. Yeah, that's right. The leaves on the horseradish are so bizarre. They are. They look like a curry comb. Uh-huh. It's really very funny. The, the, last year's leaves are look like, uh, you know, dock leaves or something like that, like spear points. But this year's leaves look like elaborate, elaborate lace work. Something. I don't know. They're weird. But anyway... Um, how th- did you like using your my battery powered chainsaw, chainsaw on oh, the gosh. the railroad ties that yes. cut up on the job and took away? Margaret's doing this elaborate rock work project for someone out there off Fritz Cove Road, and it's it's nice, really really nice. Replacing an old tatty railroad tie bed with really nice rock work, and I had to cut the railroad ties up with my battery powered steel chainsaw, which I got from Tyler Rental. It was it's so, so nice. nice. It's so and, easy. And quiet. And the, the nice thing about it is you just turn it on. What I want is to find out how good their weed eater is because I would really love to have a battery-powered weed eater or 10 of them. Uh-huh. And by the way, I, I'm looking for some vigorous person who likes to weed eat because I have a project that at least for the next month I need a once a week, four or five hours Weed eating or more. Be done. I have two. That's people the that minimum use, but but more. We need more than that. Well, I have for the, my one project. I need. I'd like to have four weed eaters working instead of just two weed eaters. So, if anybody wants to work part time, and um, arrange their own schedule, we can work it out. Sounds good. And if you want to stop Margaret and talk to her about it while she's on the job, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Don't interrupt her at work. (laughs) But you can always call up and make an appointment. She'll be glad to talk to you. Or you can ask me. I'm a good intermediary. So 
uh, we have a, a social media guy, our son Connor, who's making new ads for us, and you're going to see advertisements on the Facebook, on the Facebook Garden page, and in the Instagram, and all over. It's all like he's bringing the, us back Insta- from the dead. That's right. In the internet world, it's going to be out there, and you're going to see them, and hopefully. They will be uh, instructive and entertaining and encouraging. They're certainly bright and colorful, I can tell you that. So, so call us up and tell us you love them. Okay, I love them. Okay, that's perfect. Uh, I was looking at your project from two years ago up here at the search clinic. Was it only two years ago? It was only two years ago. It seems like forever, doesn't it? Well, it was a summer lock like this one. Uh-huh. Really hot. Really hot and never enough water and no shade and dragging those hoses up and down those hills in your big white house. Miles, hat. miles of hose. Miles and miles of hoses. But you know, in only and two years. The Rose Hill looks good. I and, looked at it. And the spireas have almost come together. So she, Margaret tore out all the lawn, all the sloped lawn area and converted it from a, a dangerous maintenance site to a place that virtually needs no maintenance by planting these golden-leaved spireas. And well, I also gonna... planted roses and li- dwarf lilacs in clusters. Mm-hmm. And it looks good. And, good. and the idea is, of course, that those plants are going to choke out the weeds. They're going to conceal them first and finally choke them out by growing over, the, over together so the sun can't reach the soil surface. And the roses that I planted on that bank across the street, they're booming. They're happy. And, of course, all that stuff's planted in peat. Yeah. I sure would like to buy some peat. I have it. I'm hoarding some, but I'd like to get some more. Yeah. Well, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to manage getting that, but but uh, we'll just keep asking and hunting for it. Yep. And if anybody has an idea about it, you're clearing some land, it's got a bunch of peat on it, let us know. We would be thrilled. Let's not throw it away. Right. Okay, so uh, the raspberries, I'm afraid, had a little encounter with the porcupines. <laughs> you know, we have, uh, we've got 100 raspberries of different varieties, excuse me, and they're all new, fantastic varieties out of the university breeding programs. Well, I think we're lucky that they haven't found other things to eat. Considering where we are at the edge of the woods, mm-hmm. where you know that they only ate the raspberries because the raspberries will come back. Right. Well, I think raspberries maybe must be particularly delicious to a porcupine. I, guess. I know that they're the kind of thing that everybody talks about. Oh, yeah, and the porky's got my raspberries last year. You know, and so it's not just eating the fruit off them, it's eating the bushes. Luckily, we have a lot of them. We'll can't bring some more wait. up from Montana Creek. Right. I can't wait to start eating fresh raspberries. We're going to have plenty. Salmon berries are coming out and yeah. are getting ripe. Now, the, the nematodes we have for the, the uh, rhododendrons are not the only nematodes that are beneficial. There are lots of different ones. And the woman I buy the toads from was telling me last week that she has a combination, a cocktail of nematodes that are designed for the vegetable garden. Oh, great. And so they're against... Uh, for things cut that, worm and all that uh, stuff? That's right. Every, all those things that have eggs that hatch in the ground and have little laid larvae by in flies. the ground. Most of them laid by flies or right. moths. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Particularly the ones that go for cabbages and cauliflowers because those are really, really voracious. Great. Because when I was able to have a garden, you know, we did the... 
fabric around the not fabric but roofing material around the base of the plants yep old style stuff very old but you know so the nematodes come on a sponge and you squeeze the sponge into the water and squeeze it a few times and the nematodes get free in the water that way and then you pour the water around where you want them and one sponge is is enough for a thousand square feet Wow, so that's that, great. That's what I thought too. Perfect. I have some coming, and I'm going to send them out to Gustavus next week, as soon as they get here. So, uh, you people in Gustavus that ordered them, get ready to start receiving. I know everybody's running around like crazy, and you're really busy. But if you want to call us and talk about gardening, the phone number is nine zero seven five eight six one eight hundred. And we're coming to it about the middle. Hey, perfect. And there's somebody sending in a email to us saying, right now, here's a special order. Perfect. We have some really pretty white flowering rugosas. Which are roses. Which are roses. White flowering Sitka roses. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they're coming into bloom right now. Right. They're so pretty. Uh-huh. And they, you look at those those white rugosa roses at the harbor at Ock Bay. You know, this is, again, their, it's their third season. And they were wimpy when they put them in, but the third season, they're bulky now. Right. And they look they look magnificent. Mm-hmm. And they're all coming into bloom right now. And the aroma as you walk along next to a hedge of Sitka Rose, mm-hmm. it's really hard to beat. Yep. Slightly cinnamony, you know, and so, so What I think smelling. so pretty is that in bud, they're a real pale pink, but when they open, they're absolutely stark white. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's the same thing as the Yaku Prince rhododendrons. You know, everything seems to be in bloom right now. And it's like they're, instead of where it used to be a staggered bloom time, this in the spring and this, this in the summer, it's like everybody's in a hurry. Like winter was too long. I want to flower today. I'm not going to wait until the 4th of July. I'm not going to wait until you're done. I'm going to step up, step up too. <laughs> That's right. I'm singing. If you're singing, I'm singing. That's right. And the Him- the Himalayan poppies, oh, they're just absolutely booming. And the booming. daylilies. You see that those golden daylilies blooming all are the time? Are those dwarfs or are they the No, they're the, the, well, not in our yard. You know, those are dwarfs in our yard, but the ones that you see around town everywhere that are about oh, 40 inches tall, those are the full-size, old-fashioned golden ones. And there's I grew another up with those. great aroma. We had them all around the, our fish pond. There are plant breeding clubs who compete with each other for introducing new and colorful things. So the Daylily Club and the, the Columbine Club and the Tuberous Begonia Club. It's always been like that. It is. But the, the, the largest concentration of any of those clubs in America is the Iris Clubs. Really? Yep. And the second one is the Daylily Club. Hmm. You know, uh, when I grew up in Portland, every house on our block was built about 1905, and they all had Monet-style landscapes. The Japanese maples around a pond with hardy perennials and, you know... Um, maidenhair ferns and little waterfalls and huge koi fish, you know, all of them. And a wild trail on the back of the houses that went through the native landscape from one house to the other as kids. You know, we could poke around and look at everybody's plants. You can tell quite easily when you look at a landscape what era it comes from by the plant choices. Anymore, you really, yes, if you're, you know, and if, if you you're look around in, in June, that's really true. Good morning, conversations. 
Good morning. Hey, I have some day lilies that I was going to share with a friend because I have a, a lot of them. When's the best time to dig up and um, trans transplant them? On a I'll cool, take them here. A, Thank you. Okay. okay. A, on a cooler day than these hot days. Daylilies are pretty tough, and you can do it any time, but try not to do it on a hot day. They'll, they'll transplant easier. But generally, right after they bloom. You know, then when they stop blooming is the time they make their new vigorous growth, and you want to divide them just before that. Same thing with irises. But the right thing about daylilies is they bloom for a long time. They do. So then you're getting into the end of August when it's always really wet and icky. So I would pick... I would pick <laughs> the right weather. <laughs> well, there is that, you know. It's it's they are tough enough to take it almost any time that you divide them, and uh, you could divide them real early in the they're spring. Tough. They're just coming up, but botanically speaking, I know. I know. I know. I know. You're very that's good. No, goes. that's that's why she called and asked. Okay. Absolutely. And uh, the same thing with fertilizing them when they've just as they finish flowering, you want to give them a shot of fertilizer. And that's same thing with your rhododendrons. Same thing. Right and on. same thing with roses? And the same thing with roses, too. That's right. And it's, you're coming up to the, the uh, rhododendron fertilizing era. You know, it's, it's from uh, about a month ago through this month of June into the beginning of July. Right. And that's when the plant will absorb that fertilizer and build up for more flowering the following year. You know, what I saw on the places that I'm taking care of is things are just booming and that even though i fertilized them last month i think i need to fertilize it all again because they've put on so much growth that uh they used up all that food there's a good chance and particularly things that are already pretty vigorous and what i've loved is that okay so we have some hot days which are difficult to work in but at the same time then it just pours down rain everything gets wet everybody's big sigh of relief and then it gets sunny again that's a great pattern it is it's like camelot let yes. it rain at nighttime <laughs> that's right uh -huh. absolutely perfect okay so um, among the irises there's the wild iris that we all love and, and love out in the meadows and then the next one to bloom is the siberian iris and that's the Caesar's taller. brother. Caesar's brother is one of the most famous ones because it's such a dark blue and people love it. But they also have a one butter and cream. Yep, that is the white one with the yellow throat. Right. Really, the, really pretty. I have right. that planted at the bank. Yeah, it is really pretty, and they get tall. Yep, and the foliage is so lovely, moving in the wind. Skinny. Yeah, and tall and skinny blows blows absolutely. around. Absolutely, and then are the bearded iris. And most of the bearded iris are uh, are hard to grow here, but there are a few kinds that do really well. I see that the dwarf one is the one that thrives here. The great tall, big tall one. Yeah, I don't think it's. I think it's too wet. I, I don't think it's the cold. You know, when it's wet here, it's so wet, and the dwarf one seems to manage it better. Yep, and all those bearded iris dwarfs that we've tried have done well. Mm -hmm. And so there are the pale yellow, the bright yellow, the purple, the red and white one, and the white one with the yellow edges. All of those have done really well. So when one of the times that I went to school at the University of Oregon, which I went several times, <laughs> um, they have an incredible big bearded iris collection outside the science building there that was lovely. Because there's, you know, irises are just so exotic. 
I was on a Zoom conference last week, and my partner in the conference had as his backdrop Shriners iris fields outside Salem, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And as far as you could see in the background were blooming iris plants, and they are just every color of the rainbow mm -hmm. and every height, and some of them are so elaborate with those big contrast. Remember we used to contrast. go there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember. We knew her. Yeah. You know, and and she married that Argentine guy and changed the focus of their business from bearded iris to Siberian irises. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I remember her very well, and I loved going out there and strolling in the iris fields every bit as much as I loved going to the guy that bred daffodils. Mitch. Wasn't that cool? Mitch, mm -hmm. yeah. And when I lived in Holland, boy, you talk about tulips being in bloom. Man, oh, man. I can just imagine what that <laughs> would be like. It would be from horizon to horizon. The land's so flat, there's yeah, nothing going right. to interrupt your view all the way. And it's so gray. They just stand out like light And bulbs. don't you love the idea that there are plant breeders that are working on stuff all the time, trying to make them better, trying to grow new kinds of things and trying to expand like the it. bloom period. You know, especially since we live in a difficult environment anyway for things that get fungus and stuff like that. Being able to be fungus resistant is, a, is a real challenge. And you know, the, the European uh, horticulture industry focused a long time ago on getting away from the chemical culture on breeding for resistance for diseases and resistance to insects, because they realized long, long ago, long before we did, that it's a short uh, I solution. I'm sorry, I think World War II brought all the chemical things on, because oh, prior to that, people didn't use chemi chemicals. They did manual kind of, of uh, I'm not saying they were doing development for resistance as much as they just did other types of management in, out there in the crops, and most people grew their own food they were lucky enough right and uh there used to be insectaries also that were were everywhere in the country in our country anyway breeding beneficial insects to attack other insects that were pests right and the we're going famous, back to that yes and that's what the nematodes you betcha and what was the other one the catch fly the lace fly god the, lace wings lace wings uh-huh <laughs> And I ordered some more lacewing eggs this week. Good. And so you have you get this thing that has uh, predatory insect eggs glued on a little strip. And you hang it on the plant. And you tear off this pit, this little edge, and it has a little hook on it. And you hang it in the branch of the plant, like your pepper plants or your tomato plants or anything that's getting aphids. And over a period of about three weeks these eggs mature and hatch out and they go out there and they when you look at them under a magnifier they look like a short-legged short-tailed alligator there you it's go. like like big jaws <coughs> just big jaws that walk around and eat aphids yeah i'm glad you know because i'm i'm really not into chemicals in the old days, I would use a little ivory liquid and soap and go out and wash my plants off, and then, then I'd have to rinse them off, but anything to get rid of them. Mm -hmm. And this, I don't know what we can do about spit bugs, though. Uh, there must be something. I have an eight-year-old boy. That's what you need for spit that's, bugs. That's right. <laughs> Somebody to spit back at them. <laughs> that's right. So if you, if you don't know what a spit bug is, it is they're they're right now and they the looks little, like spit on your plants. It does. It looks like a little gob of spit on your pant on your plants, right? And usually right where the leaves come together with the stem, and so if you kind of blow that away, you see inside that little gob of spit, you see this green little bug 
with big eyes. Okay, well, we're almost over, and the, right? Is, and they're really soft. Out of, town, out of time. And they're really easy to squash. Easy to squash. Well, well really, you know, you need an eight-year-old boy for doing that's that. That's what I'm or, saying. Or an eight-year-old girl. There's plenty of eight-year-old girls. My sisters were both great bug squashers. <laughs> Good. <laughs> it's never been my thing. No, I can see that. It's not, not on the top of your alley. Okay, we're going to be back in uh, Landscape Alaska land in just a few minutes. And uh, come up and see us. I know that that the sale is going to be fantastic because the conifers we have this year are just spectacular. And I want to give a shout out to Joe Pegues. Joe, I just love seeing you yesterday. And uh, I'll look forward to coming and being in your yard again next week. Okay, so this is David and Margaret from Landscape Alaska. And we'll talk to you again next week. And uh, come up and see us. And remember, happy gardening.